As summer comes to a close, the city of St. Louis is attracting national attention for a terrible reason. Since April, more than a dozen children have been shot and killed here, leaving police officers, elected officials, and members of the community frustrated and angry. Mary Warnicke of the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department conveyed some of that aforementioned frustration to reporters last month, hours after seven-year-old Xavier Yusenga was killed in the city's Hyde Park neighborhood. I don't want our region to be desensitized to these, and that's, that's what's happening. Don't, be, don't think this is the norm. This is not the norm. These killings are prompting a lot of people to step up the political pressure on national, state, and local elected officials to do something. State Representative Tommy Pearson Jr. wants Governor Mike Parson to embrace measures allowing larger communities to implement more stringent gun laws. And certainly when it comes to our gun legislation for this state, a one-size-fits-all approach is not working, has not worked, and we want to see some change happen. Parson, though, has rejected a call for a special session to implement gun control measures, ideas that likely would not pass out of the GOP-controlled General Assembly. He contends that the issue of gun violence needs a deeper conversation than a special session will allow. You know, this, this issue is a lot more than just a gun issue right now. You know, this is a society issue, and we got to figure out how we all work together. The big question going forward is whether political leaders on all sides of the political spectrum can come together to find solutions to stop our community's children from being killed. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman, Julie O'Donohue, Chad Davis, and Andrea Henderson join me to talk about how regional and state leaders are responding to growing calls for action and what happened the last time Missouri state government got involved in trying to stem violence in St. Louis. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, and this is Politically Speaking. The headlines out of St. Louis have shocked the conscience. African-American children in some of the city's most economically distressed neighborhoods are being killed at an alarming rate, and some of the perpetrators remain at large. So St. Louis Public Radio's team of reporters have been digging deep on the issue, talking with political leaders and families of these victims to get a sense of why this is happening and what can be done. Two of those reporters are Julie O'Donohue and Rachel Lipman. We'll hear from Andrea Henderson and Chad Davis later in the show. Rachel, can you explain to me what's happening in St. Louis over the past few months? Young people are dying violent deaths at an incredibly alarming rate. Um, you have 12 children uh, under the age of 18 who are counted as victims of homicide and two others who are considered suspicious sudden deaths. So this is death from guns that the police haven't uh, classified as homicides, either because it is an accidental shooting, suicide, something else. There have been three-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds who have all gotten caught up in this. From the people that you've talked to so far, would you say that the killing of children at this level is unusual? Because one of the things that someone else asked me is, you know, there have been kids killed in St. Louis for years, but it hasn't been getting this much attention. What you hear is a lot of people saying, yes, this summer, for whatever reason, feels different. I think there's a couple of different reasons for that. Number one, it's just a violent year period. We're on pace for 200 homicides or more than 200 homicides again. We're ahead of the pace from last year. We're um, on about the pace we were in 2017 when there were 205 homicides. 
And what police are saying is they aren't getting the calls when that they usually do when children are killed. And there's different explanations for why it is that this is happening. Some uh, experts that I've talked to say it may have to do with there's this breakdown in sort of this code that used to govern gang violence. There is a lot of fear at work. Individuals who are carrying guns want to be the first one to act rather than have someone act violently against them. I did talk to um, a teacher uh, of one of the the 10-year-olds killed, the younger kids killed, uh, named Eddie Hill. She had taught him for two years. Um, I think what I was struck by was the way she said that was affecting her class, which I think um, we, we know uh, when you think about it, it's kind of obvious that it would affect other kids that are friends with, with a 10-year-old that's shot and killed, but I had not thought about it in that way. Um, she said the kids were uh, grieving a lot. They had um, erected a, a memorial to Eddie. They've written him thank you notes. They wrote collages about what he meant. And it's pretty much dominated the first two to three weeks of their school year. This doesn't just affect kids and the direct family around them. There's a much wider uh, impact, I think, uh, when when a child is killed. Back in 2017, I actually spoke with Jason Watson, who works at Mission St. Louis, about the theories behind gun violence and why particularly young African-Americans are getting into this cycle of violence. This is what he had to tell me back in 2017. Yeah, I mean, I was not just actively experiencing gun violence to me, but me being one who, you know, was involved in gun violence towards others. So I think for me, just growing up in the environment, which was the same environment that many of the guys that I serve have grown up in, you just don't see a value for life. So you're in a position where you feel like I'm in survivor mode, you know, um, and to care about the long-term value of life that takes the ability to see beyond your nose, right? But if you feel like I'm not even, I'm not even promised, I don't even think I might live to be 21 years old, then how do you value not only your own life, but the life of people around you? A lot of what Jason Watson said in that clip rings true with experts that I have spoken to. There is this idea of, of fear, as I mentioned earlier. You knock the chip off my shoulder and my reaction is going to be to shoot you so that you don't shoot me. Um, there are a lot of different reasons, theories as to why you are starting to see that street code breakdown. As I mentioned a little earlier, some people say it is because gangs have started fracturing into smaller and smaller blocks. They want to preserve their territory more. Uh, there's no sort of national code governing it. Others say it is the fact that families, mothers are younger. Um, there's just kind of no education at home, as they would put it. Again, none of these things are, and I know we'll talk about this a little later, none of these things are, are going to be solved by, by magic, by one time things. It would take a lot to fix a lot of what's going on. Now, one of the ways St. Louis Mayor Lida Cruson has reacted to the violence is offering a substantial reward for information about the killers of these kids. Here's Mayor Cruson at a press conference last month talking about that particular aspect of this strategy. The message now is for these shooters, when you engage in this type of violent behavior, there will be a significant incentive for people to give us information to lead to your arrest. So what has been the reaction to this move and to any other actions or plans that Cruson has taken in the wake of this violence? 
So at kind of a very basic level, St. Louis Crime Stoppers told me that, yes, they have seen an increase in the number of people calling the hotline, which is what they're trying to encourage with this donation, this increase in the in the reward. The, they wouldn't give me numbers on how large the increase is, and they wouldn't say how many additional of those tips are actionable, meaning they're actively, you know, running them down looking for them, but they have gotten an increase in the number of calls. I think people just want Krusen to react a little bit, to, to show some emotion about it. You heard a little bit of it in there. It's it's obviously exhausting for everyone. You know, she doesn't want this to be her city. But I think they want more from her than just we're going to increase technology and we're going to put more police on the streets and we're going to put more money, which is actually from a, a financier from Rex Singfield. It isn't, you know, the city's money. I think they want reaction and emotion. And that's never necessarily been uh, the mayor's style. I think that she cares. It's just not she doesn't necessarily publicly emote or react in the way that people want her to. One of the common suggestions that I've heard thus far is allowing city officials to implement more stringent gun laws. Kirsten in particular wants to require people carrying guns in public to have a permit Here's her talking a little bit more about this at a recent town hall. It's a small thing. You've got to have a permit to drive a car. You've got to have a license to drive a car. Just get a permit. Now, why is that important? I know some of you are saying, well, the criminals, they're not going to do that. But here's why it's important. It's important to help our police department. If you have a permit, no problem. If you have a permit, you'll have a little bit of training. Academics who study um, gun restrictions say there are two general kinds of gun restrictions. There are gun restrictions that restrict certain kinds of guns. So I guess um, sometimes you hear people talk about um, guns that are military-style weapons, and there are gun restrictions that restrict uh, people's possession of guns. They say the ones that are more effective are the ones that restrict people's possession of guns. So put some requirements on people actually acquiring a weapon as opposed to banning a certain type of weapon. Um, And in particular, what she's proposing is actually one of the best practices in terms of uh, implementing a gun restriction. It's one of the things that academics say, or at least some academics say, uh, will... uh, affect uh, gun violence. Um, so in, in that respect, she, she has some public policy uh, folks that would back up what she has proposed. Public policy is one part of this, but from a political standpoint, I think it's very unlikely that a Republican-controlled legislature is going to embrace gun control. And I know that even though a lot of Democrats in the legislature have called for a special session on this issue, that idea has not been embraced by Governor Mike Parson. Yeah, I, I think it's actually some of the things we're talking about today. That's why I was up there on Martin Luther King Boulevard the other day trying to figure out, okay, what is it I can help these people with? One, you got to figure out, one, how do you be, build the education arena in that, long-term effect, but then how do you get people to work? How do you give them the opportunity to work within their own neighborhoods or give them the ability, the skills to do that? Those are things the state can do. Those are long-term fixes. It doesn't fix it right away. But those are the things we need to be thinking about. And how do you educate those young kids that are out there? And again, the people that are out there in those areas, how do you give them an opportunity to go to a training center? How do we move a training center to them? Instead of always expecting them to come to, an, to a different agency or something, we gotta think outside the box on that.
Now, it's not exactly unprecedented for state government to intervene in local crime-fighting efforts. That's exactly what happened in 2017 when then-Governor Eric Greitens unveiled a multifaceted plan on a hot summer day in St. Louis's Baden neighborhood. We hear the news of the latest robbery or shooting. We just change the channel or turn down the radio. What should sicken us too often barely registers. And violence that is extreme is too often considered routine. Part of the proposal involved the Missouri Highway Patrol assisting local law enforcement officials on the state's interstates, especially when it came to drug trafficking. It also involved partnering with federal law enforcement agencies and sending trauma counselors to St. Louis public schools. The time for talk is over. Today we've come together to take action. And that's exactly what we're going to do. That's what we're going to have to do. The choice, the choice before us is clear. The choice before us is clear. We can accept things as they are, or we can resolve together to take action. And today we're coming together to take action. Now, you may have heard some not-so-friendly crowd noise while Greitens was speaking. That was from demonstrators who were upset that the governor had let legislation go into effect to eliminate St. Louis's higher minimum wage. Many critics of Greitens plan contended it didn't do enough to deal with the root causes of crime, such as poverty and lack of educational opportunities. Those critics included Wanda Rogers, an employee at McDonald's whose wages went from $10 an hour to $7.70 an hour after August 28, 2017. It matters to me because uh, me and my family will go back to suffering. That means I will have to worry about how am I going to pay my bills and have money left over to buy food and pay rent. So it's going to impact me a whole lot. Still, the governor's proposal did get the backing of local officials like Krusen, who joined Greitens at his press conference in Baden. I welcome the highway patrol's help on our interstates. There's way too much speed, way too many guns, and way too much drugs on our highways. Ultimately, highway patrol officers confiscated illegal guns and made scores of arrests on outstanding warrants. But the patrol's assistance was temporary, which is why Parson is once again suggesting that they may intervene in St. Louis's crime situation. At the time, key legislative leaders such as then-State Representative Kathy Conway contended that the state was fairly limited in what it could do to help cities like St. Louis deal with crime. Conway pointed to the fact that Missouri voters decided to give control of policing in St. Louis over to local officials like Cruson. I think it would take a change in statute for us to take any more control of their crime problem. And I, I really think I really think it's better handled by the city of St. Louis. I mean, I, nobody likes when the, <clears throat> the boss comes down and tells you how to do your job, you know. Well, how do you know you don't do my job kind of thing? And that's kind of true here. We don't like it when D.C. does it to us. And I'm sure cities don't like it when we do it to them. Rachel, why do you think there's been calls for Parson to intervene when Missouri voters gave responsibility for policing over to St. Louis officials, particularly the mayor, and in this case, Mayor Lyda Cruson? Because there is a lot that the city just can't do. The city cannot enact stricter gun laws. The Missouri legislature has prohibited it, so they need to get the authority from the state to act. And I think what people forget about local control is that it didn't necessarily change who or what or how the police are commanded. That authority always rested in the police chief. It's sort of more of who who the administration directly 
you know, uh, a, a reports to and who directly appoints the police chief, etc. So command and control of the police operations wasn't altered by what's known now as, as local control. In any case, regional leaders like St. Charles County Executive Steve Ellman believe that getting a handle on the violence in St. Louis will affect more than just city residents. It's a problem for the entire region in terms of economic development, quality of life issues. When people call us and want to bring their business to St. Charles County, they don't think in terms of coming to St. Charles County, they're thinking in terms of coming to St. Louis. And to the extent that the whole region has a reputation for violent crime, that not only hurts the city, it hurts St. Louis County, it hurts all the collar counties, it hurts every one of us. We'll be right back after this message. And we're back on Politically Speaking. You've heard some of the horrible details about the children being shot and killed in St. Louis this summer. And you've heard how some of the top leaders are responding. But what you need to hear next is the frustration and anger from the victims' families and community leaders. St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis and Andrea Henderson spent the past week capturing that reaction, and they're here with me right now. Chad, I understand that you talked with Xavier Usanga's mother this week. I want to know what she had to say. A lot of the conversations I had with her were kind of just about Xavier himself. Um, we talked a lot about just personally what he liked to do, what his favorite activities were. Um, she mentioned that she and, and her husband mentioned that, you know, he loved video games, he loved superheroes. And I mean, he, he was only seven years old when, when he was shot and killed. And, um, you know, I, I think the family right now is, is still really grieving when it comes to, you know, dealing with his with his death. Um, Don, the, the mother, was, of, of course, extremely upset about the shooting. And I think one of her biggest things was the fact that there's so much violence that she sees, you know, in, on, on the streets and around her neighborhood. And a, a lot of that not only affects, you know, the younger the younger children who have been shot and killed, but also the older people who might be the ones who are, you know, perpetrating the, the crimes. I don't know if it's better that he went at seven as the victim or if he would might have grown up to be the one to go at 23 as the as the offender. So we don't know what these streets are doing to our kids and we need to get involved and we need to know because this is senseless killing. What did Dawn Usanga want people in St. Louis to know? I think she just wants, I think she wants people to understand like the level of, of violence that is, is present in the city, whether that's in North City or, I mean, I know there have been shootings also in, in South City and even some in the county, but I think what she really wants people to understand is that, you know, it really takes a hold on everyone involved. You know, the child, who's, um, Xavier, who was seven years old, of course, that's a huge impact on the family. You know, they're grieving and, you know, it's, you know, it's it's been extremely hard for them. But, you know, it's also been hard for just the people who live near them. I know that, you know, they frequent uh, the church nearby and they've gotten a lot of support from other friends and neighbors. But it's really that the the, the streets at this point, they, you know, they, they have a lot of fear for, you know, the kids and other kids and other families around the area. And then that fear just translates also to, you know, um, frustration when it comes to the response of, you know, is the person who confesses, is there going to be charges or are there going to be charges? And it's it's a lot of layers, I feel like. And it's really looking at and 
I guess, really a frustration with a lack of response and then maybe not even just understanding about, you know, how violent the streets are. There's a story behind all the villains and there's a story behind all the heroes and each one of them are unique and so they all come from somewhere and so there's families being affected on every side of the spectrum here of what's going down in St. Louis these days because we're not, the kids aren't learning how to hold a proper conversation they don't know how to use please and thank you. They don't know how to respect people. I, I mean, you got seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old kids around here. They'll walk up to you, talking to you like they're an adult. Now, Chad, you were also at a press conference last week with religious leaders who were upset about the lack of a special session in Missouri to deal with the gun violence and and the inability to pursue gun control measures. What did some of the people at that press conference have to say? Well. A lot of them were and continue to be, you know, very frustrated with um, the governor's response. So, as you mentioned, um, the the they were calling for a special session so that they could discuss municipalities that can enact their own gun regulations. They wanted a special a special session to be called for that. Um, they also want $2 million to be put for the Cure Violence Program, which is a nonprofit based out of Chicago. And really that nonprofit, it, the goal is to treat gun violence as like a, a medical disease. And the, the people who are at the press conference were also calling for a meeting between Governor Parson, clergy members, stakeholders within the community to discuss gun violence. I know that the uh, Missouri Legislative Black Caucus met with Governor Parson on Tuesday. Andrea, I know that you were at a town hall meeting that was organized by the St. Louis Aldermanic Black Caucus and Congressman Lacey Clay. What were, what, can you describe the mood and the atmosphere of that? Because I, I think that there were times when it got pretty heated. Yeah, but at first it was pretty relaxed and pretty calm. People were welcoming family members, meeting new friends. They were kind of there to kind of get an understanding on what the leaders has have to say about what's going on with gun violence. But it kind of turned once the mood changed, once um, Public Safety Director Jimmy Edwards came on the podium to speak. Police presence in the community. Police presence in the community is important. What were some of the public policy ideas that were stressed at this town hall? So mainly um, Congressman Clay spoke about his bill, Local Public Health and Safety Protection Act, with which, like Chad stated, um, it allows municipalities to enact their own gun laws. Um, but he basically stated that if we don't support this bill, we as a community do not support this bill, then it won't have legs in Congress. Our nation and this community have reached a tipping point. We are in the midst of an epidemic of gun violence that's inflicting and devastating carnage on our community. Because of the culture of easy access to guns and the failure of some elected officials to stand up to the gun lobby. Did elected officials at this town hall acknowledge the likelihood that some of their ideas are going to run into a lot of opposition? Yeah, of course they did. Um, I know 
um, Lewis Reed as well as um, Congressman Clay, they both stated, you know, without the help of the community, without people pushing this, then we're going to run into some opposition. This is uh, Board of Aldermen President Lewis Reed expressing that sentiment. Because I know there are things that we all can be doing and things that the Republicans can do to help us get to the bottom of this and help us to have a better world. But we're going to have to push them. We're going to have to require more out of them. We're going to have to drive them to some place they're not comfortable being. It has gnawed on me for, for days how we find concrete solutions to this because we're talking about kids getting killed here. This should be something that people come together for and come up with some solution. So, so is this a problem that politicians can solve? Is, is St. Louis just too factionalized politically to do what Parson is talking about, coming together and coming up with solutions? Well, I don't think it's going to help if people are publicly pointing fingers at each other. And um, and I think we've seen a lot of that in the wake of uh, this getting a lot of attention. Um, I think there's been, um, understandably, there's a lot of frustration from people around this, but I'm not sure it's going to help to have people sniping at each other, particularly in public. And one thing I will say about the governor He's, he's not doing what several people in St. Louis want him to do, which is to call a special session on gun violence. He's not doing that. But he hasn't um, gone after anyone and said that it's anyone in St. Louis's fault that this is happening. Uh, and I, I think that some of the other sniping we've seen has been kind of unhelpful. I think politicians can solve the problem by empowering and and supporting the individuals who are on the ground. That's the message I got from a social worker at Children's Hospital I talked to this morning. She basically said, you know, we need them to come into our neighborhoods and talk to us about what we need in these neighborhoods and and then help direct the resources there. And, you know, Parson is, is talking a really good game about what he wants to have happen. And I do believe that he thinks these are good solutions, but he's the governor of a party with a supermajority in the legislature. Use your bully pulpit with them a little bit to understand how and why it is that they need to, you know, direct resources, energy, time, attention, etc., towards the city of St. Louis. And, you know, 90 percent of politics is perception and priorities. And I don't know that either Cruson or Parson looks great in the grand scheme of things right now. I know that gun control is going to be a really hard sell in a Republican-controlled legislature, but when the perception is that you are willing to call a special session for rural car car dealers, but not for a measure that might help prevent, in the long run, children from getting killed in St. Louis, it's not a good look, emphasis on look, perception here. There's probably not a lot of agreement on what to do with guns, but I suspect that there is agreement from almost anyone that's a stakeholder that some sort of money would be helpful. Like if the city got money to combat gun violence, they could have debates about how they're using it, what they're using it for, but some sort of extra funds. And I think to Rachel's point, one of the problems is, are we going to see a legislature that wants to give up some money? I mean, I don't. the governor may be able to find money all on his own, but are we going to see a bunch of lawmakers who are not, who, who don't represent St. Louis, Republicans in general don't represent the city of St. Louis, uh, 
put up a bunch of money for St. Louis. At some point, if you give St. Louis extra money, Kansas City is going to be like, what about our our problems with gun violence? And apparently Springfield is also having problems. So I do think there's probably an agreement that more money is needed, but that becomes politically sticky with people who are not directly affected by this problem. And that's, I think, where Parson and his ability to use the bully pulpit with his own party kind of comes in to, you know, set out an agenda. And he's proven himself fairly effective at working within his agenda. We've heard from a lot of these clips that there's a big emphasis on stringent gun laws. But the solution is going to require a lot more than that. Do you get a sense that guns and gun control is just part of a really multifaceted long-term solution here? Yeah. I mean, I think what a lot of people are, you know, like you like you said, a lot of people are really focusing on gun control. But I think it also goes on goes to another level when it comes to even policing. You know, I think, you know, I don't I don't know if it's, you know, a, a different police presence or an increased police presence or, you know, change of different tactics when it comes to that. But I do think that, you know, things of that nature and, you know, money towards certain programs or so are, are things that other people are also talking about. So I believe it doesn't just go with um, gun laws, but people have been talking about wanting to also use this to help with fund programs and to also help with policing. I know that a lot of people at the um, town hall meeting was stressing that they were just saying they need to see more police presence in their communities, um, as well as adding more after school programs um, just to get the children off of the streets or just to help them from thinking about doing something um, like killing children. That's it for this week's edition of Politically Speaking. I want to thank Chad, Andrea, Rachel, and Julie for joining me for this episode. I also want to thank State House reporter Jacqueline Driscoll for supplying audio of Governor Parson. The editor of St. Louis Public Radio's political team is Fred Ehrlich. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, and thank you for listening. <laughs>